0: Your eternal destination can be eternally secure. 1 Peter 1 1 5 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. We, as the born again children of God, have an inheritance of eternal life that is eternally secured and guaranteed, in spite of what some other Christian groups or religions may try to say. If we are saved, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are a born again child of God. You have an inheritance of eternal life that is eternally secured, it is kept by the power of God. You cannot lose your salvation. This is called eternal security. If you are a Christian, you have what is called eternal security. There are some groups, there are some other religions, there are some other Christian groups out there that will say, that will try to tell you that you can lose your salvation, but you cannot lose your salvation. If you are truly saved, you cannot lose your salvation. It is called an inheritance. Our salvation is called an inheritance because it belongs to the children of God. Eternal life cannot be a gift to anyone but to those who have truly believed by faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Any other assurances of eternal life by other religions or beliefs are false assurances. We need to understand and defend this doctrine of eternal security. It is foundational to our Christian belief. There are those other conservative circles of Christendom who believe you can lose your salvation, but to believe this way requires you take certain scriptures out of context and not fully study or investigate others. Dr. C.I. Schofield said, Never use a doubtful or obscure passage to contradict a clear and positive one. Other false religions around the world claim they can tell you where you will spend eternity if you do certain things or attain certain levels of their belief. But all these other religions require works of man of some sort. Our Bible tells us it is not by anything man does, but eternal life in heaven with Christ is a gift that we have to accept in order to get saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So first off, what is salvation? First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Salvation is being saved. Is not... It is being born again. It is accepting the free gift of Christ, that he paid the penalty for our sins so we can go to heaven. It is calling on the name of the Lord and trusting him with your eternal soul. So let's take a look at the steps of salvation. First, you need to recognize you are a sinner and that you have sinned. Romans 3:10 and 23. As is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Next, you need to realize there is a penalty for sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Third, you need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ paid a penalty for your sin. Romans 5.8, But God committeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then John 19.30, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Christ died for us. The fourth step is to know that salvation is a gift, a free gift of God that he is waiting to give us, waiting for us to receive it. Romans 6.23 says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And finally and simply, the Bible tells us we need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And he will save us from our sins and eternity in hell and give us the gift of eternal life with him in heaven. Romans 10.10 10 and 13. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you are not sure that you are saved, I implore you to pause this right now and pray to God that he will save you, accept that free gift of salvation, and call on his name to be your Savior, you and get that settled right now. Let's take a closer look at verses 4 and 5 of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 again says to inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. These verses are speaking about the elements and the nature of our salvation. Incorruptible in these verses means it cannot decay, it cannot be infiltrated with untruth, and it cannot be dissolved away in any way. Because of this incorruptibleness, it cannot be earthly in origin. It has to be divine in origin because of its incorruptibleness. Everything in the earth is in a state of decay. So this cannot be an earthly salvation. Nothing on earth can have anything to do with this salvation, including ourselves or anything we do, because that would be corruptible. And it says our salvation is incorruptible. Next thing these verses say is undefiled. Nothing impure can enter in. It not only has no principles or seeds of dissolution in itself, but it can never admit any. Therefore, its deterioration is impossible. That's from Adam Clark's commentary. Undefiled. Next thing these verses say about our salvation is it fadeth not away. It cannot fade. It cannot dim. It cannot lose its original strength. It cannot wither. It is eternal in nature and power because the very definition of fadeth not away means it's eternal. You cannot be lost, it cannot fade, it cannot lose its strength, it cannot wither. It is eternal in its nature and power. Once you are saved, you are always saved. Next part of these verses says, reserved in heaven. Our salvation is reserved, set aside, preserved, and kept safe and secure in heaven for us. Whether whatever what other safe place, safer place in the world in the universe can there be but in heaven. And that is where our salvation is reserved set aside, preserved, and kept safe for us. Next part of this verse is say, who are kept? Those who have accepted the free gift of salvation, those who are saved, their salvation is kept or defended in a fortress secured to the utmost. These verses are saying they're kept, secured in a fortress to the utmost. Who are kept has the meaning of being kept in custody by watch and under military guard. True disciples of Christ are under constant and watchful care of God who is guarding and keeping their salvation secure, as if it is under constant watch, under the custody, and under military guard, who are kept. Next part of these verses says, by the power of God. This phrase tells us what power our salvation is kept secure. It is kept secure by the mighty and miracle-working power of God. It's not kept secure by how we live our life. It's not kept secure by us making sure we don't sin too much. It's not kept secure by anything we do ourselves. Our salvation is kept secure by the power of God. Nothing is more powerful than God. And knowing our salvation is kept by the most supreme power there is, is a pretty reassuring statement. Our salvation is kept by the power of God. It's kept under, it has a meaning of who are kept under military guard, in custody, in supreme watch and care by the power of God. It's undefiled. It fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven. It's incorruptible. Next part of these verses says, ready to be revealed. Or in other words, prepared to be revealed. Our eternal security is pre- prepared, preserved, and protected. It is ready to be revealed to us as we pass through death's door of life eternal with God. So let's examine that phrase, kept by the power of God, one more time before we move on. Supreme power, omniscient power, omnipotence, sovereignty, not only keep the inheritance, but also keep the believer secure. No one can steal the Christian's treasure, and no one can disqualify him from receiving it. The Christian's response to God's election and the Spirit's conviction is faith, but even faith is empowered by God, Ephesians 2.8. Moreover, the Christians' continued faith in God is the evidence of God's keeping power. At the time of salvation, God energizes faith and continues to preserve it. Saving faith is permanent. It never dies. It is eternal. Matthew twenty four thirteen and Hebrews three fourteen. If you are backslidden, fallen away from the Lord, can you lose your salvation? Hosea eleven seven. My people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. So if you are backslidden, if you are fallen away from the Lord so far, you're so far away, you're so far backslidden, you're so far living in sin after you got saved, can you lose your salvation? If you have fallen back into a sinful lifestyle, are you still a child of God? Or if you have lost the joy of your salvation, do you still have that salvation? Psalm fifty-one, twelve: Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. A backslider may think he is not saved, and he may act like he is not saved. First Peter 1.4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. But thank God, no matter what the backslider may do or think, does not matter. Because once he is saved, he is always saved. Save, Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. In First Peter 1.5, who are kept by the power of God, not kept by our most sinless life we can possibly live after we're saved, not kept by because we got baptized after we were saved, but the Bible says our salvation is kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed, in the last time, our salvation is kept by the power of God, not kept by anything we do, anything we, we can't lose it. We can't lose our salvation. It is not our power or how we think that keeps us or makes us saved. We are kept by the power of God. And knowing and trusting that we need to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. If you are saved, you are a child of God. Children can be disobedient. They can rebel. They can doubt their parents sometimes. But that does not mean they are no longer their parents. doesn't mean you're no longer the children of your parents if you doubt your parents, if you rebel against your parents, if you disobey your parents. They're still your parents. Once we are saved, God calls us his children. If God declares us his children, nothing we do could change that fact. Luke 20:36. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God being the children of the resurrection. So now let's look at some Bible examples of backslidden people, backslidden men who still were saved despite their sin. Lot, he did many terrible sins. He lived in a terrible, wicked city. He offered up his own daughters to wicked vile sin. Even though he did some terribly wicked things, he was still saved. Why? How could that be? Because of what we just learned. Our salvation is not dependent on us. Our salvation is not dependent on us. 2 Peter 2.8 And delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That conversation means lifestyle there in the verse. And, And delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked. That word just in this verse indicates that Lot was a saved man. His salvation was not dependent on him. His salvation was dependent on God. Peter went as far as to deny Christ. Peter denied Christ three times. And the last time he denied him with an oath, the Bible tells us. But again, Peter was still saved. Why? Because our salvation is not based on our good behavior. It's not based on what we do or what we will do. But it is based on our trust in the shed blood of Jesus to save us from our sins. That's Luke 22:54 54 to 62. Moses. Moses was a murderer. He killed the Egyptian guard. Moses trusted the Lord for his salvation. Our salvation is not of ourselves. It is of God and God alone. Hebrews 11, 24 and 26. By faith, Moses, when he was come to, eat, come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now let's consider David. David committed the terrible sin of adultery with Bathsheba. He then had Uriah the Hittite killed to cover up this sin. But David was still saved. Why? How could that be? Because David trusted in the Messiah, the Christ, for his salvation. He knew it had nothing to do with how good or how bad he was, but it had to do with the faith and the saving power of Jesus Christ. Psalm 55:22. 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He will never let the saved lose their salvation. It's kept by the power of God. Another question you might ask, is our salvation eternal? John 5:24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Let's read that again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. If we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Not we shall have it, indicating a future tense. Not if we are good, we will get it. But if we trust on Jesus' shed blood for our salvation, we have, present tense, eternal life. John 3:36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, he gives us eternal life. He won't take it back. We shall never perish. We shall never lose our salvation. John chapter 10, verses 29 to 30. And I give unto them eternal life. This is Jesus. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. This verse says our salvation is kept safe in God's hand and no man is able to pluck us out of God's hand. We can be totally confident in God's ability to keep our salvation secure. There is nothing we could do or any other man could do to cause us to lose our salvation. God gave his only son to pay our sin debt for us. It is paid in full already. We cannot lose our salvation if God's son has already paid it in full and he said he has done that already. John three sixteen For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that we have, we have the righteousness of God imputed in us, imparted to us by Christ's death on the cross. If we have that righteousness of God, how is that not enough to satisfy God? God would have to declare himself not righteous enough to be in heaven if that were so. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There was an atonement made on our behalf. It was made by Christ through his shed blood. Jesus made himself a substitute for me, for you, for all of us. He has paid my sin debt, your sin debt, everybody's sin debt for them. Leviticus 17.11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it unto you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. In other words, every born-again Christian is credited with God's, with Christ's, excuse me, righteousness, through the blood that he shed on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin for us. If we have trusted in that shed blood and been credited with the atonement made on our behalf, there is no way we could lose our salvation. Many scriptures teach that salvation is wholly God's grace and not earned by man's works, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2, 8-10. Here the scripture says that people are saved by grace through faith, and that is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. God saves us not by our works, lest we should boast about it, and we are not saved by good works but we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Good works are a result of salvation and not a way to get salvation and not a way to keep our salvation. Titus 3.5 says, It is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The scripture plainly teaches again and again that people are not saved by good works. We are not kept saved by good works. But we are saved by God's grace, and we are kept the same way. The scripture also clearly teaches that one who is saved has a new nature. He is born again, born of God. The Christian is born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever, 1 Peter 1.23. Christians are made partakers of the divine nature, 2 Peter 1.4. The Christian still has the old nature, but now being converted, he has also a new nature. And of this new nature, the newly created person within, the scripture says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. 1 John 5.18 That does not mean that a Christian never sins, but it means there is a new nature within the Christian. And this new nature, born of God, does not sin. It hates sin, and it cannot be content with sin. In 1 John 3.9, we are plainly told that this new creature within, this divine nature implanted in the Christian, Cannot sin. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. The Christian still has the old nature, and Romans chapter seven tells the struggle between the old nature which does sin and a new nature which does not sin. In Romans seven fifteen to seventeen, Paul writes by divine inspiration: For that which I do, I allow not; for what I would, that do I not; but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. In verse 25 he says, So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Every person who has been born again has a new nature, is a partaker of the divine nature, is literally a child of God. But until the resurrection he will be troubled with the old nature, and must constantly fight against it if he would live a happy and victorious life. Many scriptures teach that a born again child of God has everlasting life, and that the truly born again Christian will not be lost. John 5:24 says, "Very verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life." John 3:36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Another great and precious promise of everlasting life is given in Second Timothy. One twelve in the last part of the verse, For I know whom I believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Paul had committed his soul to Christ, and he was convinced that the Lord Jesus is able to keep it. And so every Christian ought to be convinced by the Scriptures. People do not save themselves. They do not keep themselves saved. People do not partly save themselves by good works or baptism or church membership or giving money or prayers. They simply trust Jesus Christ, and he does all the saving. Nor do people partly keep themselves. He does all the saving. People don't partly keep themselves. They must leave the matter with Christ. That is what they have committed to him. And he who did the saving by grace does the saving. He does the keeping the same way by grace. People do not deserve salvation when they get it, and they do not deserve salvation after they get it. Salvation is by God's grace and God's power, and on the merits of Jesus Christ. Our salvation is kept eternally secure by God's grace and by God's power and on the merits of Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, no scripture says you can lose your salvation if it is not pulled out of its proper context of the Bible. We are supposed to use scripture to help interpret scripture. One of my favorite quotes, I mentioned this earlier, is by Dr. C.I. Schofield. He said, Never use a doubtful or obscure passage to contradict a clear and positive one and never use an if to contradict a verily. The Bible tells us that Jesus offered one sacrifice for sin forever, and then he sat down on the right hand of God. The work of the blood sacrifice for the sins of man is done. Jesus paid for all sin of all mankind for all time, past, present, and future. To say we could lose our salvation would would be to say that Christ, you have died on the cross, you have to die on the cross again because the first time just was not good enough. Hebrews 10:12. But this man, Have you had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. The work is done. It is finished, as Jesus said on the cross. That it is finished also can be translated as paid in full. The work is done. It is finished. He sat down on the right hand of God. Our salvation is eternally secure. If you are truly saved, you cannot lose your salvation. For us to be able to lose our salvation, Jesus would have to be a liar. Like I just mentioned, because on the cross he said, it is finished. Which also means, like I said before, paid in full. So if Jesus on the cross said our sin debt was paid in full and then we lost our salvation after he paid that in full, that would mean our sin debt was not paid in full and that Jesus is a liar. Well, my friends, Jesus is not a liar. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we can't lose our salvation. The Bible says our salvation is sealed with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1:13. If God seals our salvation... How could that seal be broken? The Bible says in Hebrews 5.9 that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. Not salvation until you sin too much, but Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. Isaiah 45.17 says we have an everlasting salvation. Hebrews 7.25 says we are saved to the uttermost. That phrase means permanently and completely. We cannot lose something that is already permanent and complete. We as true born-again believers can rest assured in the fact that we have an eternally secure salvation that is based in the finished works of the Son of God, which makes it eternally secure. If our salvation was based on anything else, it would be a false salvation. Other Christian groups or religions may try to say you can lose your salvation, or they may add works to your salvation. But this kind of belief is simply unbiblical, it's not supported in the Bible, and is saying that what Jesus did for us was not good enough that we need to help him finish the job, God forbid. Rest assured, the finished work of securing our eternal security was completely done by our almighty Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and then he sat down on the right hand of God.